You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. You're listening to The Ensemblist, the only podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. Welcome, I'm Jackson Klein. This month, we're digging deep into the Ensemblist archives to share highlights from some of our favorite interviews from our early days. Today, we're revisiting our 2015 interview with Cynthia Onrubia. In our conversation, Cynthia chats all things a chorus line, from making her Broadway debut in the original production as a teenager, to the legendary record-breaking gala performance, why this ultimate Ensemblist musical is so powerful, and more. Here's our conversation. I am Cynthia Onrubia, and I have lived in New York City, Manhattan, my entire life. Okay, I started uh, in 1977, um, which was a very long time ago. I auditioned. They needed an immediate replacement uh, for an understudy uh, who was in the opening. And uh, I auditioned with another girl who I knew that they liked because she had been in before. Um, And we danced and we sang and then we danced and we sang and sang again and sang again and danced again. And they said to me, "Uh, could you step outside? And I went, okay. Um, So a few minutes later, the girl came out. And I said, did you get it? And she said, no, you did. Now, that's not an answer that you're, you typically hear at an audition. Um, so I got the job, and I was filling out my insurance cards a few days before uh, rehearsal started. And I was putting my birth date, but then I thought, maybe I should change the year. So the ink on the last digit of my birth date was getting thicker and thicker and thicker. And my mother came to me and she went, what are you doing? You're going to mess up your pension. You know, you've been equity since you were seven years old. So I went, you're right, you're right. So the next day, um, I handed in my cards to the stage manager. And he said, oh, dear, we have a minor on our hands. I was 15 They didn't ask how old I was at the audition, you know, because I put on the eyelashes and the whole thing and the padded bra. So I knew I had to, like, really have my act together and prove myself. And I think I did because I wasn't fired. (laughs) So I did the show for two years. um, And then I left to do uh, the national tour of dancing. So I did that. Then I came back. And went back into a chorus line for uh, three months. They let a girl go do a film. So I was Connie for three months. And I went back out on the road. Um, Then I came back to a chorus line, I think, in 1984. Uh, I was doing Michael Bennett's workshop of Scandal. uh, And he, he asked me, you know, do you want to go back into the show? There's an opening. I said, absolutely, because in workshops you make $250 a week. So uh, I went back into the show, and I think I was there for another 10 months. When you were auditioning for the show, was it the phenomenon that it is 
now when you were in your in your audition and rehearsal process or was it just another another dance show that you Oh no, it was cuz it was such a hit. You know, after the audition um I ran out in Schubert Alley and screamed at my mother, I got it, I got it! I did, I really did. Um, yeah, and, you know, just being at the Schubert Theater, it was, it was, that was the home of a chorus line, and, you know, it was there for so many years. And the show never moved to another theater. That was it. I think they gave me a three-week rehearsal period, but I went on early, of course, because people were out. So they said, can you do the opening? I said, sure. And I had known um, a lot of the cast people from years before uh, doing an industrial show called The Millican Breakfast Show. Um, so they knew me as a Millikitty, as a child. And all of a sudden, I'm playing an adult on the same stage with them. And what happened was, uh, at the end of the opening, Robert Lapone he says, you know, uh, any Broadway shows? Uh, and then he looked at me, and he hadn't seen me before. And then he went, Broadway shows? And I went, touring company. <laughs> it was heaven. It was just absolute heaven. Facing away from the mirror, when that orchestra kicks in, is a great rush. And I don't think that ever really disappears no matter how long you do the show because, you know, the first part is just with piano and then you face away from the mirror and bam, you're in it. So what was your average sort of day during the show? You go, you do the opening, you do your homework until when? And then you run downstairs and sing. Okay, well, first I had to go to school right. during the day. Okay. Um, and then I was very disciplined uh, a couple days. I would go to ballet class after school, and then I'd take the bus down Broadway and get off on 44th Street. Uh, so then I'd get to the theater, and even though I had had my class, uh, you know, still had to warm up. It was still another two and a half hours, three hours before the show. Um, so I would do the opening then change clothes, do some homework. Uh, and then the first thing that we had to sing in the booth was, uh, I think, the Badas in Hello 12. And so then we would just hang out through the end of the monster montage. And then uh, during Val, I'd go back up to the dressing room, do my homework um, until the ones. And then... Go back down and then take the bus home. Either my father or my mother would pick me up. We'd go home. Um, I'd have something to eat, go to bed, get up the next morning, go to school. But what was great in school, of course, on Wednesday matinees, um, I, I was in professional children's school, PCS. I got to leave at 12 noon to go do the matinee. And there was another girl... Uh, she was in The Wiz. I think her name was Eartha Robinson. I think I got that right. Uh, so we would take the bus down together, and she'd get off at the Broadway Theater, and then I'd continue down to 44th Street. When you were put into the show, 
show? Were you put into the show by yourself, or did you have other people joining with you? No, it was just me. Just you. It was just me. Clive Clerk put me in the show. Uh, and then I think a week into rehearsal, uh, Bjork Lee came in, and she had two chairs. She sat them down in the middle of the stage, and she said, okay, tell me about Maggie. So it was good. I was, you know, thinking about my backstory and my subtext. And Bjork had worked with my mother uh, in Flower Drum Song in the late 50s, early 60s. So, you know, generations pass and everything. And, and uh, yeah, so... And I knew Bjork also from Milliken because she, she used to be a Millikitty mm-hmm. because she was so tiny. So that's... How I knew Bjork. How is, how is to you, Chorus Line, the ultimate ensemblist show? Or is it? Well, I think, I think it is, you know, uh, even if the stories are dated or whatever, you know, everyone has a story. Everyone has a history, and it's like, I think in this day and age, even if one person seeing the show grabs on to, you know, a grandmother or, you know, I had my boobs done or whatever, there's something, there's something that I think every person can, can grab at and identify with or parallel it with something else. So I think it still does work. And of course, at the end of the show, everybody's dancing in the same costume, doing the same steps the same way. Nobody's a soloist. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Oh, the gala was, it was the over 3,000th performance of the show, and that's when the show became the longest-running Broadway show at that time. That was one of the, I think, one and only times when everybody felt like a family because Michael brought in everybody from every company. Uh, and for two weeks, we rehearsed at 890. Um, and seeing people that you really never thought you'd see again. And then seeing people that did the show that you never knew, you know, all this the people from the Japan company. Uh, seeing Donna do the Cassie Zach scene was just heartbreaking sitting in that studio. Um, but Michael did some really wonderful, magical things. Like at the end of the opening, he doubled when the mirrors turn and then everybody's walking downstage before they lift up their pictures and resumes and he doubled the music. So the company that had 
done the opening, which was the current company that, w- that was doing it on Broadway, they exited and he brought on a whole other line. And when the lights came up and that they had their pictures and resume, their pictures in front of their faces, you looked and you oh my God, it's the original company. And he had up he had a ticker put up and it said original company. And, you know, of course, the audience went bananas. It, I was doing Cats at the time of the gala. And I remember strategically making up my kitty cat face so I wouldn't have to take off the lashes because I had all that white makeup. So I was very strategic because at the end of the show, Timothy Scott and I, he was playing Mistopheles, we ran down to the theater because he was playing Mark, so he was doing the Mark monologue, and then I was doing uh, the monster montage. And Michael had uh, the Booth Theater was, I think it was empty at the time because there was no scenery in the wings. Um, you could go under, the, you know, uh, through the tunnel from the Schubert Theater, and you could connect to the tunnel of the Booth. And on stage, he had all these uh, tables and makeup mirrors and chairs set up because there were so many of us. I mean, hundreds of us. Uh, so I remember getting dressed sitting across from Barbara Luna. Um, she was doing, because she was, uh, I think, in the finale. Um, and what else had Michael done? Oh, the Cassie dance. Donna did the scene and the song, and the first part of the dance, and then the mirrors came in, and what Michael did was he he turned, no, it was still, in the, the upstage was still in the black, but he brought the mirrors in, and he, he uh, made the stage go pretty dark, so there was just light enough on Donna, and as soon as the mirrors came in and she started the slow section, the mirrors flew right back out. And all of a sudden there were, there were a sea of Cassies. And it was, it was just such a great feeling. You know, the, the audience just went. <gasps> and just and the way he staged the entire Cassie dance with all of them just going across. And then Wanda Richard came in and did Heat Wave by herself. And then they all started adding in for the final turn combination. It was, it, it was the greatest thing. And then all in Schubert Alley, and it took up all of Schubert Alley, Michael had all of our 8x10s on these huge boards right outside in Schubert Alley. And it was like, wow, that's a lot of people. <laughs> Favorite part, the opening, to perform. Favorite part to watch, the opening. <laughs> Out of the corner of your eye. Yep. Always. How come? I think because it is an audition and, you know, when 
you're facing away from the mirror and that the whole orchestra kicks in, but you're in a confined space because everybody's dancing at the same time. Um, but you know what it looks like to the audience. So you have to, you know, you got to kick it up. Um, I think the tension, the tension of the opening is good and, you know, the laughs are there for Richie and headband and um, all those people. Deanna dancing with her tongue out again. But it's, you know, I mean, I like pressure. I think pressure is, is a good thing. And I think rising up to it is even better. And now that you have switched sides of the table, how do you look at that experience? Has having done Chorus Line for so long changed the way you run an audition? Oh, I think so. I do. Um, when I'm auditioning people, I've always tried, you know, I mean, I, I demand a lot, but I always try to make it fun. Uh, I don't yell at people. I try to make people laugh because the audition process never gets easier. I think because Chorus Line, the way it was written, you know, everybody is special, right? Cassie says, no, we're all special. Even though you're auditioning for the chorus to be in the same costume and look the same, I think everybody that did that show felt special because you were playing a part. You know, you were an individual. You just weren't, you know, the short, skinny, blonde second from the end. Um, but, yeah, it, it, even if you never met the person before, like, at the gala, you you know, they you, – you share, you share the same emotions. I think that's, that's a lot of it. Whether it's rejection, whether it's triumph, um, whether it's sadness or anger, so I th I think it's it's more from the from the heart that you feel that connection with. Sure, a lot of you know people that did a chorus line went into real estate and became brokers. Um, there are people that did the show that became dressers in Broadway shows. Uh, then there are, you know, people like Donna McKechnie who's still doing it. So, and then you have other people, you know, of course there's Bayork who keeps the show going um, for new faces and, you know, the new generation and the next generation. And so I think, th thanks to her, Bayork has kept it going. Never get jaded, never get bitter. Treasure the moment while it's there. Um, you know, if you're fortunate enough to to have a career uh, and work, and take that with you, and know that yes, you do get old. <laughs> you know, you can't turn back the clock. So I, you know, I always say, guys, never get jaded and bitter, ever.
special thanks to Cynthia Onrubia for sharing her stories with us today. The Ensemblist was produced by Mo Brady and me, Jackson Klein. There are two great ways you can help The Ensemblist right now. One is by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. The other is by becoming a Patreon member, which you can do at patreon.com slash theensemblist. Please follow us wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or at bpn.fm, the home of Broadway Podcast Network. You can also follow us on Instagram, where we share all of our latest episodes. Stay safe, and thank you for listening. Until next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.